I love to watch that bumper because it really communicates well some of the passions of this church. We want to honor God in every single thing that we do, and we want all the people that come here involved in worship, service, and community. If you're a guest here, know that that's our heart, honoring God and helping you serve Him uh, through worship, service, and community. That's all that we're about. Also, if you're a guest here, things are a little different because I'm up here. Uh, I'm, my name is Joe Andrews. I am not the senior pastor. I am much, much, like much younger than the senior pastor. Okay? <laughs> He's over here to my right. I'll be firing myself. Don't go to the trouble, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm so honored to be here. Uh, I don't take lightly the fact that I get to stand up here and communicate with you the Word of God. And, and really my desire today is that each and every one of us today can see Jesus Christ in a higher light. And I hope that all of our view and our idea and our understanding of Jesus is so much more than it currently is now. As I was uh, thinking about this message, I had a question. Have you ever had, uh, maybe heard of something in your life and thought you really understood it until the day that you actually saw that thing. This usually happens like with the Grand Canyon. You know, you hear a lot about the Grand Canyon, and you hear that it's really big. You hear that it's a mile deep. You know all these facts about it. But it isn't until you step at the, to the edge of the Grand Canyon and realize, this canyon is really grand, grander than I thought that this canyon could have been. It happens with the ocean as well. If you've never stepped foot on the ocean, you can't really understand the ocean. Now, this happened to me one time uh, when I was overseas. I was, I was 13,000 feet uh, above sea level. I'm on the, the top of basically the Andes Mountains. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, I wish that I could explain to you what I saw so that you could really understand it, but anything that I say is not going to measure up to the full extent of what I witnessed, all right? I do have a video for you to see so that you could see it, but still, seeing it here on screen is nothing compared to what I actually saw. Now, pay attention there. That was, those are snowflakes falling across the screen, and you're probably thinking, that's a beautiful picture of a rainbow. You are wrong. All right? You were absolutely dead wrong. I thought that you would think that that was a rainbow. That was not a rainbow because it wasn't raining. What was it doing? It was snowing. Now, not many people have seen a snowbow. <laughs> I will count myself among the few. Now, I wish that I could tell you how incredible it was as this bow was stretched across the sky. And somebody else in the car is like, look, a rainbow. And I said, no, you're wrong. There's no rain. It's only snow. It's a snowbow. And we have witnessed something incredible that I will talk about on pulpit stages for the rest of my life. I had the opportunity to see that, and it was something that is incredible. I wish that you could see it. You're probably not going to see a snowbow in your entire life. I think that this also happens with Jesus. I think you and I think that we have a really good understanding of who Jesus is. And sometimes we need to sit down and we need to experience him and realize that our understanding isn't quite there yet. In fact, uh, the title of my message today is Jesus is everything and more. Uh, 
I want to give you some context before we get into Mark 9. That's where we're going to be uh, today. But I want you to see that Jesus is everything and more in this whole passage. Uh, But I want you to understand what's going on in this passage before we actually get to it. So this passage is usually labeled the transfiguration. All right? This is an incredible event that happened in the life of Jesus and in the life of Peter, James, and John, who were up at the top of the mountain with Jesus. He had taken them there, and he had taken them there to pray with him. And Peter, James, and John are kind of the BFFs of Jesus, if, if I could just use that term. Now, I would have said the inner circle because that's the churchy term, but there's so many millennials in here, I have to use the term BFFs, okay? So he is there, and he's with this inner circle. These are the guys that he is investing in more than anybody else, even more than he's investing in, the, in all of the other 12 disciples, okay? He's taken these three apart, and he is just showing them things that nobody else got to see. And so they're up there with him. Now, if you think for a moment, this is at the end of Jesus's ministry, all right? We're nearing the end. We're nearing the crucifixion. If you could just think for a moment, these guys, Peter, James, and John, have been walking with Jesus for three years. The things that they have seen, you and I can only dream of. The things that they have seen are things like Jesus healing a crippled beggar. The things that they have seen is Jesus feeding 5,000. The things that they have seen is Jesus walking on water. The things that they have seen is Jesus taking someone who is lifeless and bringing them back to life. Now, if anybody had a correct view and the right understanding about who Jesus was, it was these three, Peter, James, and John. In fact, just a few verses earlier before uh, the passage that we're in today in Mark 9, Jesus asks all the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter's the first to step up and he says, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. Now, if that doesn't tell us what Peter thought about Jesus, I don't know what does. And he was basically the mouthpiece for all of the disciples. All of them had this high view of Jesus. But in this passage where we're going to go today, uh, they learned something that I would hope that you would learn and that you would take home today. In fact, if there's one teaching that just overarches everything that we're going to talk about today, it's this, that they had, their idea of Jesus was way too small. And so here's what I want to say to you is that your idea of who Jesus is, is way, way, way too small. That's weird for me to say about Peter, James, and John, but I'm going to prove it to you as we go through this passage. And I hope that you see that even Peter, James, and John, their idea of who Jesus was and their understanding of him had to grow. It wasn't where it needed to be, and I think we're all in the same boat. Our church has a partnership in uh, Juarez, Mexico. We work with a church called El Buen Pastor, and we also work with an orphanage. Uh, And it surprised me one of the times that I heard someone uh, over there pray, because instead of just saying Jesus, they said another word. They, They didn't say Jesus, they said Jesucito. Well, I don't know if you know much about Spanish, but if you want to make something sound small, you add an ito or an ita at the end, okay? So I could be Jose, and if they wanted to say my name like little Jose, like a little pastor, they could say Josecito, or they could say Pastorcito. 
okay? Now, when somebody was praying, and I heard them use my Jesusito, my little Jesus, I thought, wow, there is something missing here. He is not this little Jesus. He is way more than we ever think he is. Now, uh, I hope that as you go into the future, from this day forward, you would wake up with this idea, my, G- my idea of Jesus is way too small for the rest of your lives. That's what I want you to wake up thinking every single morning. My idea of Jesus has to grow. It has to get bigger. My little understanding with my tiny human mind, it has to grow. I have to see Jesus for who he truly is. And we have an, an entire eternity for that to happen. But I don't want us to get content thinking that we've arrived. And I don't want you to think that I'm up here thinking, because I'm preaching this message, hey, that guy up there, he thinks he's arrived. He thinks he knows everything about Jesus. He thinks he has, that's not true at all. I am in the same boat with all of you and with Peter, James, and John. My view of Jesus is too small. I love this passage because I feel like God just opened my eyes to who Jesus Christ is in this passage, and I hope that's what he does for you today. I want to now turn to Mark 9. We're going to be in verses 2 through 10. I'll read that now. And he was transfixed, I'm sorry, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he didn't know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud and said, This is my son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. If we're going to understand this passage, we really have to understand what Peter's confession was a few pages earlier in our Bibles, okay? I already said uh, that Jesus Christ had asked all the disciples, who do you say that I am? And I already told you that Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This whole passage really echoes that main teaching, all right? What Peter was saying is you are the Messiah, the one that we Jews have been waiting for. You are the man that we've been waiting for forever, We are waiting for you to save us. You are the Messiah. You are that man. So he says that Jesus is man. The next thing that he says is you're the son of the living God. And that equates Jesus Christ with God. In fact, puts him on the same plane. He's saying Jesus is God. So in this one statement from Peter... We have one of the clearest doctrines in Scripture. In fact, it's, it's kind of a deal breaker if you don't get this, okay? Jesus is the God-man. He is the one who is 100% man and 100% God. If you get this wrong, 
you get everything in the Christian faith wrong. In fact, if you get this wrong, you can't even call yourself a Christian. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but I don't really believe that Jesus was God. I just think he was a good prophet. No, you're not a Christian then. This is the dividing line. I don't know if you know much about me, but I love basic Christian doctrine because it's so plain, it's so main, and it's so clear. And there's not many things that are more clear than this, that Jesus is the God-man, 100% man, 100% God. The actual Christian doctrine is called the deity of Christ. That means the godness of Christ, the fact that Christ wasn't just a man, but that he was also fully God. Well, let's get back to Mark. I'm going to get into this scripture now. After six days, it says, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. That word transfigured is kind of a weird word. It's not a, weird, it's not a word that we find a lot in the scriptures, and it's definitely not a word. Now, I've transfigured, but it's taken me about 20 years to pack on this extra weight. That's not exactly what we're talking about. This word transfigure means to change form. Jesus changed form. And Peter, James, and John are there, and they're watching this take place. And we have a cool snapshot of what they looked like at that moment. These are guys that have been walking with Jesus for so long, whose idea and understanding of Jesus was way up here. And their minds were blown by what they saw. They walked up that mountain with a man that they had been following for three years. They knew him. They knew him inside and out. They knew the way he thought. They knew that he was God. They knew that he was the Messiah. They had seen things that you and I can only dream of. And Jesus blows their mind. And for the first time, Peter, James, and John, though they've seen Jesus do things that pointed to the fact that he was God, like by healing people, by walking on water, by calming storms, they had never seen Jesus as though he were not a man. In fact, they always saw Jesus as a man, except in this case, right here. And Jesus appears in all of his glory. And they can't take it. It's absolutely incredible what happened. Jesus doesn't look like a man anymore. He looks like God. In that moment, I think... That Peter, James, and John realized we thought we knew a lot about Jesus. We thought we had a good understanding. But once again, he has blown our minds. And once again, we are realizing that our idea of Jesus is way too small and that it has to grow. And for the first time, they realized Jesus is always more than we think he is. Which is the next thing that I want you to see. Jesus is always, listen. Jesus is always more than you think he is. If he was more for Peter, James, and John, you and I probably aren't putting ourselves on that same pedestal, right? And Jesus was always more than they thought he was. And they are growing in that knowledge as they walk with him. Let's go back to the uh, passage now. It says, Jesus' clothes became radiant, 
and intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. I love that little side note. I don't know if Mark did a lot of laundry and tried to bleach clothes, but he's like, look, it was white, like whiter than I could have bleached them personally. I don't know, just throwing that out there. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Now, this is absolutely incredible. Elijah, we all know, was taken up by the Lord. In the last service, I told everyone Elijah died. I don't know why. It wasn't in my notes. Uh, but I told him that, I told everybody that Elijah was dead. The Lord took up Elijah. Now, Elijah symbolizes and represents all of the prophets. And all of the prophets pointed to one man, Jesus Christ. And there, Elijah appears in glory from heaven somehow, and he's speaking with Jesus. Also there, Moses. His death is a little weird as well. Uh, we, we, we do know that he died, but we don't know where God buried him. That's a weird uh, thing, but the, the scriptures tell us that God buried Moses. Moses appears, and he also is talking with Jesus. Now, who's Moses? Moses represents the law. If you ever hear about the Old, the Old Testament scriptures, you'll hear about the law and the prophets. The representative of each of those is Moses represents the law, which Jesus Christ fulfilled and which pointed to Jesus. Elijah represented the prophets, which all pointed to Jesus. And there they are in glory, speaking with Jesus. If we turn over to Luke 9, we're in Mark 9 right now. Let's turn over quickly to Luke 9 because I want to get you just a little bit more information on this mysterious passage because I wish that I could really help you understand every single thing that's going on in this passage, but this passage this passage is a complete mystery. But we get a little more detail here. This is Luke 9 and this is verse 28. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, John, and James, and he went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face, listen to this, the appearance of his face was altered. I don't know how. That's all the information we get. His clothing became dazzling white. Some translations say as white as a lightning bolt. But the point is, is that Jesus is letting his glory shine through his body. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. We've already talked about that. Listen to this. Who appeared in glory and spoke with him about his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Well, that's a nice way to put it, isn't it? Jesus' departure. Now, we don't ever talk about it like that. It's not some light little thing. Jesus' departure would be Jesus' betrayal, Jesus' false trial, Jesus' beatings, Jesus' crucifixion, and his burial. Jesus is in anguish at the top of this mountain. Elijah and Moses, the representatives of the law and the prophets, come to encourage Jesus in what he has to accomplish because it's coming and it's coming fast. Now, that's all we know. That's what they were talking with him about. We can't speculate anything else except that this was an extraordinary thing that had happened. Two people uh, appearing from glory and speaking with Jesus. Now, 
If you're Peter, James, and John, you've been walking with Jesus for all these years, you know who he is. Your, your mind has just been blown because his face has been altered. He has changed form. He doesn't look like regular Jesus anymore. He looks like God Jesus, and it's absolutely baffling. And the, the three disciples there are speechless. Peter, James, and John can't say a thing. Well, actually, Peter did say something. Uh, Peter, I don't know, it's really hard to get scholars to agree, like on one thing. But every single scholar that has ever lived agrees that when Peter spoke right here on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he opened his mouth, he shoved his foot in. He said something that was so weird to say. I like it because I do this all the time. I say things I don't mean to say, and I sometimes say, I wish I shouldn't have said that. Uh, but here's what, here's what Peter says. I want you to kind of picture this. He's seeing all of this right before his eyes. He's seeing Jesus. He's seeing Moses. He's seeing Elijah. He is totally confused, 100%. And this is what Peter says. Peter said to Jesus, this is verse 5, Rabbi or teacher, Jesus, it is good that we are here. And I don't know what reply he was expecting for Jesus. Uh, yeah, Peter. Thanks, man. Thumbs up. It's, it is good that we are all here. And then Peter continues to speak. That wasn't enough for him. This is what he says next. And I don't know where he gets this. Let us make three tents. And I was thinking, who is let us make? Like now he's, he's pitching in John and James too. Let the three of us make three tents for you. Because, I mean, you got two guys in glory who definitely don't need tents. You have Jesus Christ who is now glowing as God in the flesh. And Peter thinks, let's just make a couple tents here and stay here for a while. Mark doesn't know what to do with this information either. So verse 6 says, for Peter didn't know what to say, for they were all terrified. I love how Mark just kind of throws Peter on the bus, uh, under the bus. He's like, well, uh, Peter, you said this, so I'm going to record it. I'll, I'll put in a little something. You were scared when you said it, and everything will be okay. As if this scene couldn't get more glorious, it does, all right? At about that time, this is verse 7, uh, you see this, a cloud overshadows them. They're on top of the mountain. Jesus has transfigured. Moses and Elijah are there. A cloud comes over the mountain and a voice comes out of the cloud. This is what it says. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. I couldn't help but think, who, who is God the father talking to here? Because why would he be talking to Jesus saying, this is my son, listen to him? Okay, that didn't make sense. Why would, he talk about, why would he talk about this to Moses and Elijah who were already in glory? This was for an audience of three. Peter, James, and John needed to hear this message from God the Father, from heaven, in a cloud. Why did, he, why did they have to hear this? Because they were going to be the ones that really got the church moving after Jesus' resurrection. They had to listen to Jesus. They had to know this because they were going to be the main guys. And by the way, we have a book written, uh, at least one book written by each of those guys in our New Testament. Isn't that awesome? They listened to Jesus. They heard that message from the cloud and they said, okay, we're going to do this because they realized 
that God knew that their view of Jesus was too small and that Jesus is always more than they think he is and he's God's son. And because of all of that, they needed to listen to him. I think that's great advice for each and every one of us. Listen to Jesus. I hope that this is, this is such a little tiny Sunday school lesson, isn't it? Just that, three words. They're probably learning this in the two-year-old classroom in Wamba Land right now. Listen to Jesus. Why? It's, it's an easy message to teach. It's easy to understand, but it's hard to put into practice, isn't it? I bet you and I don't listen to Jesus like we ought. But I think we could take God's advice to Peter, James, and John and apply it to our lives and say, I too need to listen to Jesus because he's always more than I think he is and because my view of him is too small. But he's the son of God. And anything, any single thing that he says, I want to put into practice. That word listen always in scripture means to listen and obey. It's not this idea of hear in one ear and out the other ear. It's this, you know, when your mom used to get mad at you, And she said, you're not hearing me. I need you to listen. And listen meant, okay, I I was hearing your words before. Now you want me to listen to your words and obey your words. And this is God's advice to Peter, James, and John. I think it's his advice to us as well. I wonder if we took God, the Father's words here seriously, how our lives would change I know that we wouldn't worry because Jesus tells us not to worry. I know that we would love like Jesus loves because he told us that we should love one another. I know that we would honor God in everything that we did because Jesus honored God in everything that he did. I know that we would pray with faith because Jesus told us to pray with faith. And I know that we would tell others about Jesus because Jesus told us to tell others about Jesus. Just listen to Jesus. If there's, there's no simpler teaching that you can take home to your kids today, just tell them we should listen to Jesus. Do you know why? God the Father came down in a cloud and said so. And that's enough for us. So here's the last thing that I want you to see today. Your idea of Jesus should grow daily more and more and more. Now, I know grammatically, some of you are, in, are, are grammar teachers and you're like, that is not correct. I know that. Your idea of Jesus should grow daily automatically says that it should grow more and more and more, but I really want to hammer this point home because your idea of Jesus should be growing on the daily and it should grow more and more and more and more for eternity. Hopefully you've seen today that your view of Jesus has been too small up till now. Hopefully you know now that Jesus is more than you ever thought he was. And hopefully you take this statement into the future with us. All of us, each and every one of us needs to remember that our view of Christ, our understanding of him has to grow daily. So in a minute, we're going to have an invitation And you're probably wondering, how should I respond to a message like this? 
What are we supposed to do now that we've heard this amazing message? Now that we've seen Christ in his glory? Now that he has exploded the minds of his nearest three disciples? And their view of Christ changed and grew that day. And it continues to grow now. How should you respond? I think the first thing is just realizing that Jesus is always more than you think he is. Now that goes for you, whether it's your first time here and you've been a follower for Jesus for a long time, or you're, you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus yet. Realize that Jesus is more than you're thinking he is. For those of us who have walked with the Lord for a while, I wonder in what, which areas of our lives is our view of Jesus too small? I wonder if it's in our finances. I wonder if it's a family situation that we're dealing with right now and we just don't think God can handle it or that he cares or anything else. We need to remember that Jesus is always more than we think he is. Maybe it's with depression or anxiety and you just don't feel like bringing that to the Lord. Jesus is always more than you think he is. Always he is more. Maybe you're dealing with death in one way or another, and you're having a hard time getting through it. Jesus is always more than you think he is. If you don't know Jesus today, here's my invitation. Know that he's more than you think he is, and accept him today. In just a moment, there's going to be pastors here, and you can talk with one of us about knowing Jesus. That would be an excellent response to this message Another way we could respond to this message today is just by saying, I'm not listening to Jesus like I need to. Whether you know him or you don't, listen to Jesus. It won't go bad for you. Jesus is always more than you think he is. Maybe you're thinking you need to join a church that exalts Jesus above everyone. That's a church like this. You can come and talk to one of the pastors about joining our church. I'm not sure exactly where you are, each one of you, in your lives. But hopefully, you take this time while we sing this next song to respond to Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being a God who loves us. We thank you for being not a small God that we can wrap our minds around. We thank you for being more than we ever think you are. I thank you that it's hard for us to know you fully. And so we get to spend every single day for the rest of our lives and the rest of eternity knowing you more fully. Help us to listen to you in everything that we do. We thank you and it's in Jesus' name, his great name, that we pray.